I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at Ezekiel chapters 35 through 37. In chapter 35, we see another prophecy against Edom, beginning with verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Mount Seir, and prophesy against it. Say unto it, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O Mount Seir, I am against thee, and I will stretch out mine hand against thee, and I will make thee most desolate. I will lay thy cities waste, and thou shalt be desolate, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred, and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end, therefore as I live, saith the Lord God, I will prepare thee into blood, and blood shall pursue thee. Sith thou hast not hated blood, even blood shall pursue thee. Thus will I make Mount Seir most desolate, and cut off from it him that passeth out, and him that returneth. And I will fill his mountains with his slain men, in thy hills and in thy valleys, and in all thy rivers shall they fall that are slain with the sword. I will make thee perpetual desolations, and thy cities shall not return, and ye shall know that I am the Lord." Because thou hast said, These two nations and these two countries shall be mine, and we will possess it, whereas the Lord was there. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will even do according to thine anger and according to thine envy, which thou hast used out of thy hatred against them, and I will make myself known among them when I have judged thee. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, and that I have heard all thy blasphemies which thou hast spoken against the mountain of Israel, saying, They are laid waste, they are given us to consume. Thus with your mouth ye have boasted against me, and have multiplied your words against me, I have heard them. Thus saith the Lord God, When the whole earth rejoiceth, I will make thee desolate. As thou didst rejoice at the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so will I do unto thee. Thou shalt be desolate. O Mount Seir, and all Idumea, even all of it, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, here's another prophecy against Edom. Mount Seir is located in Edom. They already received mention in Ezekiel's prophecy back in chapter 25. But here's a whole chapter devoted to their destruction. Edom had a long, colorful history with Israel, going all the way back to Jacob and Esau. Edom was Esau's nickname, and the very way he came by his nickname was a sore subject. You find that account back in Genesis chapter 25. Remember when Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of soup? Well, here's what Genesis 25:30 says about that. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Now, Edom is the Hebrew word for red. The very name of these people continually resurrected bad memories. And they lived up to those bad memories with their constant harassment of Israel over the centuries. 
Edom had sought to block Israel's first entrance into the promised land all the way back in Numbers chapter 20 and again in Numbers chapter 24. Now, there are a lot of other conflicts with the Edomites that are found in Scripture. Saul in 1 Samuel 14, Solomon in 1 Kings 11, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoram in 2 Kings 8, and Ahaz in 2 Chronicles 28. And you might expect other prophets also prophesied against Edom. We have Isaiah doing it in Isaiah chapter 11, Jeremiah in Jeremiah 49, Daniel 11, Amos 2, the whole book of Obadiah, and Malachi chapter 1. Therefore, it would seem that Ezekiel uses Edom as the epitome of nations that sought to overrun and acquire Israel's land for themselves. Ezekiel is clear on the reason for Edom's demise in verses 5 and 6. And here's what he says, Because thou hast had a perpetual hatred, and hast shed the blood of the children of Israel by the force of the sword in the time of their calamity, in the time that their iniquity had an end. Therefore, as I live, saith the Lord God, I will prepare thee into blood, and blood shall pursue thee. Sith thou hast not hated blood, even blood shall pursue thee. Well, that kind of reminds me of God's words to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, 3. Here's what he said, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. Well, that's exactly what we see working here in this prophecy against Edom. They cursed Israel, therefore God is passing judgment upon them. It's clear from this passage that Edom will not prosper. Incidentally, this land coincides with the nation of Jordan today. There's a rather interesting prophetic theory that centers around this region during the tribulation period. You can read about that on BibleTrack.org at Micah chapter 2 specifically verses 12 and 13. The last great eradication of the enemies of God before the millennium will take place at the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. That brings us to chapter 36, beginning now reading with verse 1. Also thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy hath said against you, Aha! Even the ancient places are ours in possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Because they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side, that ye might be a possession unto the residue of the heathen, and ye are taken up in the lips of the talkers, and are an infamy of the people. Therefore ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains, and to the hills, to the rivers, and to the valleys, to the desolate waste, and to the cities that are forsaken, which became a prey and derision to the residue of the heathen that are round about. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen, and against all Idumea, which have appointed my land into their possession with the joy of all their heart, with despiteful minds to cast it out for praying. Prophesy therefore concerning the land of Israel, and say into the mountains, into the hills, into the rivers, to the valleys, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury, because ye have borne the shame of the heathen. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, I have lifted up mine hand, surely the heathen there are about you, they shall bear their shame. But 
ye, O mountain of Israel. Ye shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you, and ye shall be tilled and sown. And I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, even all of it. And the city shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded. And I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring fruit. And I will settle you after your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Yea, I will cause men to walk upon you, even my people Israel. And they shall possess thee, and thou shalt be their inheritance, and thou shalt no more henceforth bereave them of men. Thus saith the Lord God, because they say unto you, Thou land devourest up men, and hast bereaved thy nations, therefore thou shalt devour men no more. Neither bereave thy nations any more, saith the Lord God. Neither will I cause men to hear in thee the shame of the heathen any more. Neither shalt thou bear the reproach of the people any more. Neither shalt thou cause thy nations to fall any more, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelled in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land, and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way, and according to their doings I judged them. And when they entered into the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name, and they said unto them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone forth out of his land. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. These verses turn on the heathen nations that had a part in Israel's demise. Edom, the King James Version translates it Edomia, they get special attention here among these heathen nations in verse 5. Now, the word has gotten to the exiles that Jerusalem has fallen to the Babylonians. We saw that in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 21. They're all ears about when this exile is going to come to an end. Ezekiel gets right to the point in verse 8. Here's what he says. But ye, O mountains of Israel, ye shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. Finally, prosperity at last is what we're seeing here. And the return to the homeland Israel is seen in verse 10. It says, I will multiply men upon you all the house of Israel, even all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded. Well, we see the details of the promise of that restoration in verses 10 through 15. It is important to note that the restoration of the land is prophesied by both Jeremiah and Ezekiel in a couple of different contexts. As I've stated many, many times, the exiles actually went back to their homeland under Persian rule in 535 B.C., However, at that time, they were not an independent nation. They were, of course, ruled overall by the Persians. In addition, the times couldn't be better scenario of life back in the land found in this chapter has never existed even to this day. The prophecy of complete restoration and eternal prosperity won't really be manifested until 
the millennium. So in the numerous restoration prophecies found in the Old Testament, sometimes the prophets are talking about the simple return to their homeland, which took place in 535 B.C., and sometimes they're talking about the eternal prosperity of Israel in the homeland during the yet future millennium. So it's not all positive here. In verses 16 to 21, Ezekiel carefully points out that even in exiles, the Jews continue to disgrace the name of the Lord. Beginning here with verse 22, we have talk about the restoration of Israel. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also I will give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall Keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for the corn, and will increase it, and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree, and the increase of the field, that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abomination. Not for your sakes do I do this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste shall be builded. And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and the desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places. And plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. As the holy flock is the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So why restore Israel? Well, we see in verses 22 and 23 that restoration is necessary for God's sake not for Israel's sake. Here's a restoration of Israel, and verses 25 through 28 tell us that this is more than just the return that took place in 535 B.C. under the Persians. This is a national heart cleansing. And times in Israel at this point couldn't be better. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah referred to this in Jeremiah chapter 31, 
in verses 31 through 34, we know that passage as the new covenant. The realization of the new covenant is yet future, and it takes place during the millennium, at the beginning of the millennium, I should say. Notice particularly verse 35. This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. When Jews began to return to Israel in the early part of the 20th century, Israel was a wasteland. Today, vegetation is being grown where none existed for hundreds of years. It's difficult to view the environment that now exists in Israel and make a case that it is anything other than the beginning of this prophesied restoration. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we come to a familiar passage, as a matter of fact, a song made out of it. And so this chapter will see them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin. And put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord." The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah, and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. 
and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whether they be gone, and will gather them on every side, and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation, and in the land upon the mountain of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations. Neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms any more at all. Neither shall they defy themselves any more with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of their dwelling places, wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people, and I will be their God. And David my servant shall be king over them, and they all shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments, and observe my statutes, and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children, and their children's children forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them, yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forever. Now, you old-timers will recognize that as the first line of an old Negro spiritual. Remember, the arm bone is connected to the shoulder bone, and, and so on. This is actually one of the most fascinating chapters in all the prophetic books. It outlines the reconstituting of Israel out of nothing. According to the passage, the bones of the whole house of Israel dispersed. They come together even though they are very dry. Here's what's exciting about this. The first part of this prophecy happened on May 14, 1948, and that's when Israel actually became an independent nation after over 2,500 years, Jews migrated from all over the world back to their homeland in the years preceding this date and afterward. Technically speaking, I'm comfortable with the notion that the shaking of the bones in verse 7 in this prophecy is a reference to World Wars 1 and 2. Those wars indisputably changed the world's attitude toward the Jews and made it possible for Israel to become a nation and do so in their own original homeland. However, this prophecy is not really completely fulfilled until the new covenant is established in the nation for the specifications of Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. That consists of every inhabitant of Israel knowing and loving God personally in their own individual hearts. However, viewing the first step of this process in our lifetime, well, that's just way exciting. Notice verses 22 and 23. They tell us that Israel will be a false worship-free zone at that time. But that's not all. We see in verses 24 to 28 the words forever and evermore used five times in talking about their new relationship with God. Well, this is indisputably a reference to the millennium when the new covenant will be completely fulfilled and the Messiah will rule. You will notice there's a lot of reference to David in uh, Ezekiel's prophecies, and especially we see it here in verse 24. It says, And David my servant shall be king over them. 
Well, that didn't happen in 535 B.C. when the exiles returned, but it will in the yet future millennium. As a matter of fact, the mention of David here is an interesting reference. You can read more about that when you read the notes on Ezekiel chapter 44 on Bible Track, or if you go to the reading for today on Ezekiel chapter 37, I have an article that I've included on to the right of the screen there called King David's Role in the Millennium, because in fact, along with the Messiah, it is indisputable in prophecy that both the Messiah, Jesus, and King David will be present during the millennium. Uh, we find several prophecies from the prophets uh, indicating such. Hosea 3.5, Jeremiah 30, verse 9, Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 23 and 24. Uh, this passage right here in Ezekiel 37, 24 and 25. Uh, and then we take a look at Ezekiel chapter 44. We'll be looking at that in a few days, and we'll see that uh, it's all about David and the prince being present during the millennium. So uh, the reality is David has a role in the millennium in the future. Perhaps it should be mentioned here that the Mormon church distorts a portion of this prophecy for their own purposes. Uh, look at these verses again, verse 16. Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel, his companions. And join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. The Mormons view the stick of Judah to be the Bible and the stick of Joseph Smith to be the Book of Mormon. And they happen to be the only church to unite them into one faith. That's a scary, scary way to read the Old Testament. Actually, the sticks are representative of the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel, which had split after the reign of Solomon. That's seen in 1 Kings chapter 12. In the millennium, all of Israel will once again be united. Some people really, really, really mistreat the Bible. And that brings us to the end of our Ezekiel chapter 35, 36, and 37 readings. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.